Hi, and welcome to the TRU Alumni Podcast, hosted by me, Dustin McIntyre, TRU Alumni Manager and TRU Alumni. I'm joined today by Mark Brophy. Mark is a polar guide and assistant expedition leader for Intrepid Travel. Prior to completing his adventure guide diploma at TRU, he completed a Bachelor of Science and Bachelor of Medical Science at Western University. Mark has experience as a hiking guide, horseback riding, and dive master, just to name a few. Today, Mark is joining us from Vancouver Island, where he recently finished his season as a mentor and lead guide at Clackwatt Wilderness Lodge. Welcome to the podcast, Mark Brophy. Hi, nice to meet you, Dustin. Hey, nice to meet you too. So happy to have you on the podcast. Uh, I was just looking at some of your pictures that you sent over. Now, we can't show the listeners, but you sent me a picture of a polar bear, of ice, of you name it. So tell us, what what do you do, Mark? <laughs> yeah, I guess I would describe myself as a multi-purpose adventure guide. So I've uh, shaped my life now uh, guiding around the world. It was mostly polar um, for a little bit there, and then COVID shut down the poles. So I've kind of retooled and been uh, guiding more in Canada these days. So it'll be interesting to see now that COVID's over, what happens if I go back more international, if I stay more local, or find a mix. Now, when you say international, where internationally are you guiding um, up north in the polar region? Right. So polar regions meaning both um, the Arctic and Antarctica. So I've done three winters. This will be my fourth winter coming up in December down in Antarctica. And then I've done two summers up north. Um, That's included Svalbard over in Norway, Greenland, Nunavut, um, Canadian Arctic, and also... um, up in Churchill, Manitoba, with the polar bears. We uh, we actually go hiking with polar bears there, which sounds like a bad idea. I know, but it's actually quite amazing and pretty safe. Yeah, uh, it does sound like a bad idea, um, but you can talk me into it. I'm sure if you and I happen to be in Churchill at the same time. How many people do you know now? Or maybe I should ask this first. Have you been to all seven continents then? I have not. I have never been to Africa. I am looking forward to going there, and I, one of my dreams is to go work on safari there, either volunteering or paid work or whatever, but I would love to see not only the animals, because that's one of my main drivers, but I'd love to see the African way of conservation, of stewardship, and uh, just experience life as as they, those people see it. That That's yeah, absolutely. You should. I mean, you've been to six of the seven and arguably the hardest one to get to. So I think it's time <laughs> that you you hit the seventh. Um, I guess, which one is your favorite? Where do you like to be? I guess you probably have different experiences on each one. You know, tell us about your time um, uh, overseas. Yeah, um, I mean, favorite's always a hard question, right? Because everywhere is incredible and I'd go back to everywhere. Um a favorite and I'll, is Antarctica. I'll keep going back there, hopefully, for the rest of my life. Like, I don't plan on retiring. I plan on just eventually being uh, inducted into the onboard museum in Antarctica one day on a <laughs> ship or something. <laughs> but um, <laughs> other than Antarctica, honestly, J- Japan is got to be one of my favorite places. I mean, if you think about if you think about covering everything, like you go to Mongolia, right? Like the you go horseback riding there. It's incredible. Those people are born on horses. You have the best time ever. It's nomad culture. It's amazing. 
right. infinite open step to gallop. But at the same time, like the food is terrible. Like <laughs> there's no, there's, <laughs> you know, like there's no architecture because right. Chinggis Khan didn't build anything. He just, he just roamed, roamed. Right? like a nomadic yeah. culture yeah. doesn't have pyramids or architecture because why would you build something that you can't take with you, right? So, but like Japan has everything, man. The food there is incredible. Every every area has its local delicacy. The mountains are beautiful. Yeah, oceans beautiful. You taught there for a the while language, too, didn't the people. You? I did. That's right. So I spent a year and a half in Japan. I uh, taught English for one year, and then I also worked on a ranch, uh, doing horse tours. I uh, was a chestnut farmer for a bit. And uh, worked on a ski lodge there. Is there a lot of ranching in Japan? <laughs> yeah, there's not no, a lot I, of ranching. I don't, yeah, they don't, don't have a, a history of ranching. I guess they do have famous beef, so it's got to come from somewhere. That's right. Japanese people, though, are just so funny. Like when I worked on the ranch in Japan. So this really cracks me up because I was like 25 at this point. Right? I go over to Japan. My, my English teaching job wasn't starting yet. So I needed to pass some time and find something to do, right? So I, I did a work exchange on this mm -hmm. ranch. Yeah. And uh, basically, Japanese guys from the city, they'd come in, they'd trade their, their suit and tie for blue jeans, check shirt, cowboy hat. They'd even have their own boots that they'd keep in the locker. Of course, and a lot yeah. Of them had, <laughs> and a lot of them had spurs on them. I'm like, <laughs> Just the old trope. I don't know much about spurs. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like you're dressing up, like right, yeah, like right, it's, it's right. A, it's a play. It's like cosplay, right? So they jump on the horses, and the horses would ride around the area. Like the guys were on top of them, but they weren't riding the horses, right? The horses were just walking around the pasture, right? And then they'd go, and and then you go have a hamburger. Something and then uh, what really cracked me up though, right? Is, is these Japanese guys are so stoked to be out with a real Canadian, a cowboy, right? <laughs> But realistically, I'd never seen a horse till I was 25. Yeah. And like the Japanese guys, they would put me on the lead horse. And that lead horse, like I barely, I didn't do much. I didn't tell him where to go or anything. He just walked me around. And then these Japanese businessmen were so like, the, this the is amazing. Real the blind Canadian leading cowboy. the blind. Oh, totally. The blinder leading the blind. Yeah. And then <laughs> while, the, <laughs> while these guys are eating hamburgers, the Japanese guys would take me behind the barn so no one could see and actually teach me how to ride. Like that's where I learned how to ride is behind the barn in secrecy. Yeah. It was super yeah. funny. Oh man. So how many you've been to, you've been three seasons up in Antarctica. What it's like, what is it like uh, in such desolation? You know, I'm looking at some of these photos and it's just rock, water, ice, and snow. Like there's nothing else. Yeah. It's a uh, thousand shades of gray, right? It's, um, but it's so amazing. It's so inspiring because everything is on such a massive scale. Like the ice there is like, I've, I've sailed a past an iceberg, like the size of Ontario. Right. Just floating. Right. Yeah. And like the bays there are huge. The ice is massive. Like once you get a couple hundred meters inland from the coast, it's just, it's just ice, right? It's the largest ice cap in the world. And it just goes right. across the entire continent. Everything is just on such a massive scale that it's beautiful. And even though it's so, I guess, gray and blue in a way, like there's so much life there, right? Like you'll rock up and there'll be a 
colony of 200,000 penguins, right? right? You'll go into a bay and you'll go cruising around in a Zodiac with like a hundred whales. Right? It's hard to like put that in perspective. It is. It really is. And that's the thing. It's kind of funny is because you can never explain Antarctica to anyone. You can't explain anything to anyone, right? You have to see it for yourself. You have to feel it for yourself. But Antarctica is the hardest place to describe to people. A lot of, like you can't fathom it. You have to experience it. And here we are trying to do it over voice. No pictures, no imagery. I know. Like, <laughs> good right. luck. Yeah. So yeah, you, totally. Yeah. Well, this is this is where just like the people who are listening, like if you're like you need to do yourself a favor and do a good education, get a good job, whatever, blah 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 blah, and then come to Antarctica on one of my tours. <laughs> and if you're in the guiding department right now, listening to this, you have to say, okay, Mark, how do I get a hold of you? And then come work down here, and then like you have to see it, right? Yeah. Tell, tell us about, so you went to traditional post-secondary, you went to Western and, and got your degrees, but then you, you know, went to Japan, you did some other things. You said, I want to be a guide and you ended up, you're from Ontario. You ended up in Kamloops. How did you end up at, at TRU and, and kind of, you know, kind of reset yourself into guiding? Yeah, that's a, I guess a very long story, but I'll basically I wanted to be a doctor when I was in high school. So I went to Western because they had a really good medical program. I started out there. Um, and then in general biology and doing the pre-medical school like side of it, I, I found just animals more interesting, right? And I was very, I don't know, I guess disillusioned with traditional um, medicine. Um, so... Animals I found way more interesting. And then the, the big pivoting point, though, was when I went to Singapore on exchange for my third year. And over there, I just, I honestly traveled as much as possible and went to school as little as possible, <laughs> right? So seeing the world and seeing all the crazy animals, like hanging around, hanging out with orangutans and like going scuba diving in Malaysia, like in Sipadan, right? And going around and just seeing all these things you've never seen and meeting all these people with different perspectives, I was like, okay, like clearly I don't want to spend my life in school to become a doctor. Not that there's right. anything wrong with that. It's just that's not my path. That's not my interest, right? So from then on in, I was like, okay, my life is going to be traveling. Now I just need to figure out how to how to support that, right? And then most of my 20s, I was overseas doing random things like teaching English or working as a prep cook or a fine dining waiter, or whatever, whatever. Right. And then it's it's when I got to Australia after working in Japan, I was like, OK, I have money now. What do I really love? And I was like, I just want to scuba dive like all day, every day for a while. Right. And lucky for me, I found a, a dive shop in Australia on the Great Barrier Reef who had an internship program where I would go work for them. They would train me up to dive master, right? So for me, it was like, okay, this is win-win. One, I don't have to pay to scuba dive. And like two, if I'm going to dive that much, I might as well get some kind of certificate or some formal training out of it, right? Right. So that's what really got me into guiding is all of a sudden I'm on the reef every day, diving five times a day, taking people out, showing them, the world right and with my biology degree i felt like i could dive a little deeper and tell a little better stories right 
to to help people understand the reef, <clears throat> to experience the reef. And then also like your the the stewardship angle, right? Like I love these places. Like I want the reef to be there forever. So I want people to care, right? So I just I I just dove straight in. Like I I was so enthralled and so so in it that it became my life for you those. Keep using these dive puns and it's I don't think you're meaning to, but it's really great. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean to. Yeah. <laughs> Keep diving right in. I was like, and then, Mark, you're fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, so we're we're uh, diving in, in Australia. We're diving all the way in, and and had you know we're we're a world away in Australia. We're not in Kamloops yet. Yeah, we're a long way away. And then it was still many years, right? Like I ended up in uh, after Australia, got to New Zealand, um, basically shifted into mountains there because they got incredible mountains, and I. I love rock climbing. I love mountaineering. And then the big thing that got me to TRU was when I was in New Zealand, I was kind of cutting my teeth as a mountaineer and learning a lot. I was so lucky to have this amazing mentor. Her name was Jane. She's a total legend in New Zealand. And uh, she helped me along. You know, she was like, okay, you try, try this mountain here, borrow this gear, go get it. Like she really encouraged me. And and whenever I messed up, you know, she wasn't like, okay, kid, you're done. She was like, okay, you screwed up. What did you learn? Okay, now take it easy. Go try this mountain now, you know? Like she was absolutely incredible. And that's what really uh, encouraged me to keep following that passion of mountaineering. But eventually what happened is me and a friend, we were out mountaineering and uh, we were on a three-day traverse and she slipped on some of the glacier and she went and couldn't, she couldn't self arrest. Her axe kept popping out. And right. I thought she was going to die. I thought she was going off the side of the mountain. Um, lucky for us, she ended up just slamming into a pile of rocks. So that saved her life and broke her leg, right? So we got we got out, we got her rescued and everything, and and she's okay, she's recovered and we're still friends and all that. But basically I got down from that and I was like, okay. If I'm going to be out with people now, I need this to never happen again. Like I can't, I can't just be in, my life is progressing now into more extreme sports and more danger and more hazard. And I need proper training now in order to stay safe myself and to keep right. my friends safe, even more important. Right. So that's when I started looking around and I was like, okay, I want to do a mountaineering program. And I was looking at everything and then I saw TRU and I was like, okay, this is like the best bang for buck. It's also a diploma. It's also like uh, being in one place with a community of people that I can meet, right? And hopefully make a lot of friends. Yeah. So it just seemed like seemed like a no-brainer and I love BC. So right over to Kamloops and, and it was a great time. That's fantastic. So you spent two years here. You know, we some we have some incredible faculty who are, a lot of them are, are still in the industry or are in the industry. And um, did they open some doors for you? Is that how you ended up, you know, in these Arctic expeditions or, or how did that come about? Yeah, it's funny because everything's so like one thing leads to another, which leads to another, which leads to another. Right. Like, of course, I uh, my first summer, I ended up working in. Uh, Wells Gray Adventures, so that's in Wells Gray Park, just north of Kamloops, uh, with Ian, who who I met through the program because we did uh, our ski trip up there. And also, I was supposed to go work in Iceland. I had a job all lined up, but okay. 
because I had lived in so many different countries, it was really hard for me to get everything sorted for the work visa. So yeah, the government of Canada said, kind of hang out, through. hang out for and a minute. And one of the instructors said like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then Iceland was like, how do we know you're not an international like criminal or something? <laughs> right. So, uh, but then one of the instructors was like, okay, you're not going to Iceland. Uh, why don't you go to Wells Gray? Like he's, he's hiring and just, just do it. Right. So they hooked me up with that. I worked in Wells Gray, had an amazing time. And then my second year at Wells Gray, um, these 10 ladies came on a trip, a seven day hiking trip. And the one lady had just come back from Antarctica on a, on a cruise expedition cruise. Okay. She was telling her friends and everything. And we all became close by the end of the week. And she said to me at the end, she said, Mark, you remind me you're, you're so similar to the people I met on the ship down in Antarctica. She's like, you should go work there and be with your people. And I was like, I've always wanted to go there. Like during my biology degree, I yeah. actually sent messages to bases in Antarctica and said, Hey, do you need a volunteer? No way. Right. And I remember, I remember getting a, a message back from the head scientist at one of the bases. And he said, dude, I'm the head scientist. I've got like seven PhDs and I scrubbed the toilets. Like there's no room for anyone. That's not like, you know, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. I totally respect. And I totally get it because it's a long way and a lot of money. So you got to like use all your resources to the max. But, um, but yeah, so that's kind of how it happened. And at the end of the trip, the, la the ladies said, we're going to call the company and tell them to hire you. And no I was way. like, yeah, okay, super nice, whatever. You know, like people say things like that, right? But it actually happened. Like I got a call a week later from this company and they said, hey, are you Mark? And I said, yeah. And they said, we, we're told we're supposed to hire you to go to Antarctica. Wow. And I was like, yes. You are. <laughs> you are. You are supposed to hire me. You better hire me. Yeah, exactly. Totally, right? And uh, it was great, actually. They they kind of pulled me on as a... I started out as a standard, like, uh, basic guide, but they had bigger plans for me, partially because of TRU. And, and like, me and my some of my uh, friends that I made there for... Our second year, we actually did an expedition up Mount Logan, which is Canada's tallest mountain, and right. uh, TRU supported us with that and everything. So because of that expedition, too, they were like, okay, you planned that, you delivered that, okay, you're, you're going to be good as a basic guide, but we also want to train you to go into leadership and management positions, right? So that was, um, it was a lot. It all came together, and it's just one thing leads to another, right? Yeah, it's incredible. It's a series of events that if, you know, if this, if your friend didn't fall, then maybe you don't take that next step. And if you don't get, or if you do get into Iceland, then maybe you don't go to Wells Gray. And if you don't go to Wells Gray, you don't meet that person and you never end up going to Antarctica. So it's like these, just this like one after one after one after one leads to this opportunity. And now you've been there, you're going on your, your fourth year of going into Antarctica. And that's, you know, just wild to say out loud you're going to Antarctica. Yeah. Again. <laughs> again. Yeah. Sorry. Again and again and again and again. And right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and in the summers we're yeah. going to go spend uh, on Vancouver Island doing this thing. And then I'm going to go do that. It's, 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 it's incredible. It's, it's amazing uh, to hear about. And it, we love finding alumni like yourself who are out 
literally across the world, right? Like you couldn't be in the farther reaches of the world uh, doing things that you love, um, supported by, you know, your education um, and your experiences uh, that afforded you these opportunities. So after this season in Antarctica, what, what's next for you? What, where are you going next summer? You know what? I'm going to come back here to Clackwatt Sound. I really had a great time here. I loved it here. Tell us, and, tell us about um, what, what this place is that you're at right now. Right. So I am in Clackwatt Sound. If people don't know where that is, that's just off Tofino area. And um, it's an amazing piece of west, west, wild west coast. It's beautiful, full of islands. There's whales. There's uh, orcas cruising through, right? Seals, um, sea otters. And then we've also got some untouched, pristine old growth forest, right? So I'll take people hiking to 500 year old trees and we've got uh we got this one tree it's like a 400 year old set to spruce it's actually fallen over it got blown over by a storm and we can walk across that right so you're walking wow. up a 400 year old tree yeah so it's not only an incredible area to be in but the thing i love about guiding here is the, the diversity of activities, right? Like we go canyoning, we go sea kayaking, we go canoeing, we go hiking. Like I go out on the Zodiacs and do interpretation for all the marine life and for Clockwork Sound in general, right? Then we're like, you know, taking a helicopter to the top of the mountain and then getting up to the summit or like helicoptering paddle boards to a remote lake, pumping them up and going for a toodle around with a packed lunch, right? It's just... Did you say heli like most paddle of the time. Boarding? Yeah, yeah, we go, we go heli paddle boarding, we go heli hiking. You know, As you do, anything yeah, standard. Yeah, like pretty much anything that is possible, like we we can do it, right? Which is amazing, incredible, and it's definitely a rare thing guiding as well. Like when you're a hiking guide in Wells Gray, you hike. Right. When you're a sea kayak guide in the Broughton Archipelago, you you sea kayak. When you're a guide in Antarctica, you drive boats and you walk around with penguins. Like, it's very, it's amazing. It's all beautiful in its own way, but it's very like, you will do this on VP, right? Whereas here in Clackwad, it's one of the few places I've ever been where one day I'm doing a full day hike into the old growth. The next day I'm doing a boat trip in the morning and then archery in the afternoon. Then the next day I'm going sea kayaking and then canyoning. Then the next day I'm going helicopter paddle boarding. And then like, you know, it's just, it's infinite. Like I've, I worked here all summer and I don't think I had two days that were the same. That's amazing. Depends on the clients, I guess, what they want to do. They show up, Hey, we want to do this or, and you kind of let it make it happen. That's right. Yeah. So we, yeah, we've taken about 50 people. Um, and then we've got a little guide team and it's pretty much, okay, what do people want to do? Okay. These are the resources we have. These are the guides we have. Okay. Let's do it. And it's, Incredible. uh, it's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds fun. I'm going to make all the current adventure guide, uh, students listen to this podcast and they're going to all be envious of you, Mark. And they say, well, we'll do all those <laughs> things too. <laughs> Mark, tell us well, where they are listening. I'll be talking to them in November anyway. Yeah. Oh, the, brilliant. Uh, yeah. I think we have them. you locked in for career mentoring. So that's right. Yeah. Mark, tell us where we can find you. Uh, people want to see your pictures. They want to follow you, your adventure, live vicariously through your life. So tell us your socials. Tell us um, your websites. How can we follow Mark Brophy? 
you know what, man, you just got to come because I don't have Instagram. I don't do social media. I don't have a website. Um, people tell me I should write a book and maybe one day I will if I like, I don't know, break a leg or something, which isn't going to happen, knocking on wood right now. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I just love to be out and about. And so I'll, I mostly take photos to share with my grandma and my nephew and niece to inspire them. You know, I, I don't do the social media thing. So Amazing. just come find me. Come find you. Well, we have some photos. We'll put them up on the show notes for people to see. Mark, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey, it was a pleasure to chat with you, man. Thanks for having me.